0: I'm excited to get the right people in the right roles to do the right work and to find people's strengths and to make sure that to get the team together and like make their best work. That's the stuff that gets me excited. I love working on teams. I love working with other people. But yeah, I think even in school, I realized, I was like, my strength is clearly not the visual design, but I can make a press release for my classmates and communicate what it is they're trying to do and like help them get on blogs or get out in the world.
1: listening to Well Fed. I'm your host, John Sorrentino, a designer based out of New York, and on each episode, I sit down to talk with one of my creative heroes. Individuals whose work, style, and ideas I admire and continue to be inspired by every day. We discuss their past, present, and everything in between. Hey, before we start, I'm trying out something new this season, and I need your help. I'll be releasing episodes every Tuesday until the final episode, and I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that I can keep up. I would love to get your feedback after every release, and I'll be giving away stickers and pins to everyone that helps out as a thank you. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the podcast on social media. Take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram or Twitter, at WellFedPodcast, and I'll send you some good old-fashioned snail mail. With that, enjoy the episode. On this episode, I'm excited to welcome my guest, Carly Ayers, writer and creative director, previously partner at the studio Harraf Google Creative Labs alum, and the founder of the influential creative community, hundreds under a hundred. true. thank you so much for joining me today.
0: You know, it's great to be here.
1: You just mentioned that you're originally from Florida. I am. Grew up in a small town. What was it called?
0: Bradenton.
1: Bradenton.
0: Bradenton. It's on the Gulf coast by Sarasota and Tampa. It's mm-hmm. one of those towns where you name like all the neighboring cities in hopes that someone has some <laughs> connection to something oh, remotely yeah. close to it. Totally. Manatee County home of the manatee hurricanes
1: manatee hurricanes yeah. that's what is that is that a hockey team
0: you know well
1: or is that a that was our team? high
0: school football team <laughs> okay but technically our mascot was billy the blowhard wow so
1: naming is really it was a,
0: it's a real struggle there
1: <laughs> carly as i was doing my research i uh, mean this in the most sincerest way but it could be said that you were given the gift of gab as a kid. <laughs>
0: Yes. And now and to this day,
1: to this day. I mean, you know, I relate because my mom would say that if I walk into a room of strangers, at least one of those people will come out as a friend. You know, you're just able to like walk up to people. Um, When did that start for you?
0: Oh gosh. I've always been very talkative. (laughs) I've always been very much a social butterfly. I actually remember thinking that I was introverted growing up. I think it was like my third grade teacher was asking the class, he's like, now who here is introverted? And I was like, me, I'm introverted. Your third grade teacher. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And he was like, he's like... You are the least introverted person in this entire classroom. And I think that was my uh, first step towards self-awareness around, uh, sometimes I am the loudest one in the room.
1: There's no problem with that. It's knowing when to harness that a little bit and when to let other people speak. And obviously that comes with experience.
0: Yeah. That's definitely something I've been consciously working on too, I'd say in the last few years of just like, oh, making sure like, I'm asking questions and Mm -hmm. listening and being curious about the other person as well. Because I think sometimes when you're excited to talk and you're excited to meet someone, you can just really fill the space.
1: Completely. Was there anyone that influenced you when you were younger to follow a, a creative inkling or anything like that?
0: I think, I mean, I always grew up in a very creative household. Like my mom, she would crochet beads onto all her socks and she like built and designed a puppet theater that she made one for our home and then gave one to my pre-K so that we could all do like a doorway puppet performance. Um, And everyone was always making things. I remember my dad, when we were... uh, doing remodels on our house. He was building the house out of foam core with hot glue and building like a scale model. And so I think there is always, uh, even though they're both professionally in medicine, there is always kind of like a creative bent and they definitely encouraged me to like take classes and go to like the community college on the weekends. And I'd take like uh, still life painting courses there and the like.
1: So eventually you end up going to RISD, which is like one wow. of the when I started to apply to schools, you know, RISD is like the far-reaching. You're like, good students go there. The, the good <laughs> creatives go there, talent-wise.
0: I, I grew up in Florida. Mm. So I had no idea what RISD was when I was in Florida. The only reason I actually ended up applying was because my mother's father had gone there and he had passed away when she was in college. So it was more of a, a gesture to her and to his legacy to even consider applying there. The other 11 schools Mm -hmm. that I applied to because I'm that type of person. We're all engineering programs. I was looking at engineering and industrial design and RISD happened to have an industrial design program as part of their design curriculum. And I remember we visited once and it was raining and I thought it sucked. And then we visited once when it was sunny and I, I fell in love with it. So
1: What's the ratio of, of nice days to rain in, in Rhode Island?
0: Well, coming from Florida, anywhere above the Mason Dixon line, there's a little bit more rain, a little yeah. bit more snow. It's a little colder in general. Mm-hmm. Although it rains every day in Florida, kinda of like around two o'clock. It's real tropical.
1: Just just like an every forecast. Like it's a like just a like a thunder thunderstorm
0: rain. like every afternoon. Just it gets like really in. hot and then it like all cools off.
1: What was the application process like for RISD?
0: Oh. Well, and I think it's actually changed since then. Mm-hmm. But um They have, of course, the infamous bike drawing that you do. And for that, I had my sister get in the pool with uh, my bike, and I tried to draw the bike underwater, (laughs) trying to, you know, be really creative.
1: (laughs) Not tear the lining. Uh, Your parents are like, watch
0: the the lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember even uh, they do like a big show with all those bike drawings when you get there. And I remember walking in to the gallery where they had all the accepted students and at the end, like you kind of like walk down this, these rows of uh, bikes and the one at the very end, there's like Jesus and he's carrying a bike on his shoulders, like perfectly articulated, like who super is, muscular and like the bike is like cutting into his back and there's like blood. And I was like, holy shit, I'm way out of my fucking league. <laughs> like I should have like looking at my drawing and like looking around the room and I was like. It's Jesus. It's Jesus carrying a bicycle on his shoulder. So, Aye. yeah, yeah. You, I mean. How do you
1: confidently submit that in an application and you're just like, yeah, this is going to is it. it. That's crazy. It.
0: And you have to like fold it too to like show your humility. Wow. At least that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's essays. And at the time we submitted slides, which mm-hmm. seems wild now. Yeah, a few different
1: things. While you're in school, you were very active in terms of extracurricular, you know, volunteering, student organizations, things like that. You also organized and formed a publication where you talked to alumni.
0: Oh yeah, I did do. I, what was I that a called? Rizdiid.org. I remember that. So that good research, good research. <laughs> I remember that came about. When I entered the industrial design department, so the way RISD structured, kind of like your freshman year is all foundations. You're doing like 2D, 3D, and then like. Eight-hour charcoal studios where you're just like drawing drawing people, people. yeah, yeah, yeah. drawing naked people, which was also very new for me, coming from very conservative part of Florida. (laughs) And then I entered the industrial design department, and I remember when you would Google RISD industrial design online, they didn't have much of a digital presence at all. The only thing that would come up was this Core seventy-seven forum post where they said why you should never, ever hire a RISD industrial design graduate, and I was like. Oh, this is, this does not bode well for my, uh, <laughs> my future career in anyone My future's who, not looking bright. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we, we got to turn this ship around. And I remember I like went to like, oh gosh, I went to like the digital department and like the communications department. And I was like, come on, like, can we get like a website up? I really want to like start something to bump this first search result down. <laughs> and uh, no one, no one would give me permission to- but uh, did it anyways, uh, with a few other intrepid industrial design students. We started a blog where we interviewed students and faculty and alum. And eventually beat out that Core 77 forum post for top SEO rights.
1: There you go. Before SEO started to become this (laughs) crazy monster. Through that publication, you were able to meet the president, John Maida.
0: I did. I I know John
1: Maida through his various press appearances on Bloomberg and things like that. Very intelligent designer, very intelligent person. What could you say about John?
0: Oh, I could say a lot of things. <laughs> I remember, I think I tweeted at him or mm-hmm. he, t- or he tweeted at me or he DM me or I was like, Hey, I did this thing. Look at this thing. And I loved that about him. I loved that he was very much like a president of the people. I felt like when he was there, like he was very open to meeting with anyone about anything and was very, made himself very accessible using like new forms of technology, which I think was very weird also at the time It was like a very different way of communicating. He's for, sending
1: you like. Calendly invites. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah, just put some time down <laughs> on my open schedules.
0: I don't know. He's always trying new things and trying new ways of uh, connecting with people. And I, I always admired that. So I met him after that. And I remember coming to his office. He had like a role in newsprint. He was like sketching out like what I could do and like where my career could go and all these tips. And like none of that uh, eventually came to fruition. But I did end up <laughs> working in the Office of Government Relations. He introduced me to uh, Babette Alina, who I believe is still there. We worked on this project that he had called STEM to STEAM. So mm. the idea of integrating like science, technology, engineering, mathematics, adding the A, art. Art's um, always getting forgotten. Yeah, art's it's always It's like all forgotten. the good
1: acronyms are just like excluding art at one point. It's,
0: yeah, so you, you shove it right in there. <laughs> and I think that was cool because it was cool to see how do you talk about a movement? How do you talk about like a concept to different groups? We went to DC, we presented it to uh, various senators and tried to get people on board for funding more arts education.
1: So this is sort of the beginning of your speaking, writing, activism in in, in a way. You then kind of, I don't know if it was before you graduated or while you were in school, you begin to intern at Creative Mornings.
0: Yes, and I, I also met... Tina through John. Big hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tina came as part of that STEM to Steam initiative. She hosted a Creative Mornings in Providence, where I was going to school at the time. And so I got to like meet her. It was the beginning of thinking about theming these events. She had just started it oh gosh. I- Creative Mornings, I don't know when it started now. I'm like blanking. But it's I been remember, going for a while. Yeah, it's been I've for like, a while. I end
1: up clicking a link and I'm just like, wow, thing I found in the last two years. And yeah. There's so many talks that it's just been around for a good while now.
0: Maybe like 10 years or so at this point, maybe more. But yeah, at the time, I think there were about maybe like nine or 10 chapters. And she had started in her studio, Creative Mornings is an international lecture series for mm-hmm. the creative community. So it happens at like 8.30, nine o'clock on Friday mornings once a month. And so she had just kind of started hosting these breakfasts. Then there were speakers. And then it really snowballed from there. She did it in Zurich when she was visiting one year, and then they wanted to keep doing it, and a friend wanted to do it in L.A., and I think now it's in 217 cities.
1: I found that you basically just cold-called her and asked her for an internship, and she offered it to you over the phone, and that's kind of a big big thing, you know, to one on her part, but also for you as well. Tina was thinking at the time and then was going through her head, this person needs to join the team.
0: Well... I know what she was thinking because she told me, but it was, I guess, the day before it happened that she was musing to Kevin, who uh, was the first employee at Creative Mornings. She was like, yeah, I think we could get like someone else in here. Maybe we should have like an intern this summer, like someone else to like help out. And then I emailed her. And yeah, that email came because I was like very far into this interview process to uh, do a product design internship at Procter & Gamble. And I Mm -hmm. had submitted a hair sample and all this stuff. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Something about this still doesn't. I don't know if this is how I want to like spend my summer. And of course, at that point, too, you think everything you do is the end all be all step towards what you're going to do every day for the rest of your life. And I was like, this is it. And I was like. I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I was like, I, like, I got to get to New York. I got to go work for Tina. And I think a lot of things in my life have happened that way. Where I'm like, this person's doing something interesting. How can I get as close to that as possible? And that was true with John. And and that was true with Tina for sure. And I ended up spending the summer there. And then I ended up joining full-time after I graduated.
1: You spent about, definitely over two years there. Yeah. And then before joining a, a branding studio.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think when I found this out, I think it's really interesting Because it's not something that you hear too often. And I can also share an experience where uh, you join and it just doesn't click. There's like a, it just doesn't align. My endeavor was even shorter than yours. I did three days. And one, it was due to a lack of responsibility on my part and maturity. But I was in a small studio. It was four people and the creative director. Everyone worked on their own projects in their own lane, no collaboration. And it just felt so stark and like very like, uh, you know you just kind of cringe a little bit but for you you were there for six seven months yeah and you just sort of realized this wasn't for you
0: well, yeah I mean and part of it was too I was like so eager to like see what was next and so eager to like Get out in the world. I had figured out what brand strategy was reading around online, and I was like, "This feels really in tune with what I want to do more of." And I was like, ready for whatever was next. And I was introduced to these two women through friends who were starting a studio together, and they they were figuring out their dynamic as well. And we're all friends to this day. But it was uh, we did like a three month trial, and then like a six month trial, and it was like pretty clear that was not a good fit i was bursting at the seams wanting to do more things i kind of wanted to do my own thing i think just personality wise too it was just like not a good dynamic and there was just a ton of friction around like be that file management or uh who's doing the dishes or like all the stuff you have to figure out when doing a small studio which i've since also figured out again it's uh we had a conversation. I was like, this is not a good fit. And we were all like, yep.
1: And that's why I ask because I think like younger creatives, they just never understand that it's okay. Like walk away if you don't feel like this is it. And also like we have the ability to do these three month, six month trials. trials. And I say that in air quotes because it's presented to you like that. But also don't be afraid to like actually bring that up as well.
0: Yeah. I would never take a full-time job without like a three to six month trial. Mm -hmm. I'd rather freelance for a place, get to know the team, get to know their dynamic before committing to something full-time. And I say that from a place of privilege too, where I've been able to like freelance and able to like try something before I bought it or signed on entirely. But yeah, especially for situations like that, making sure you know the dynamic, know the team. I think worst case scenario is when you let that stuff faster, which we've all been there too, where you're Mm -hmm. just like... Oh, I hate it, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get out of here, I gotta <laughs> totally. get out of here. And, uh, Very and that stuff Yeah, that stuff kind of bubbles over and, and you're not your best self and you bring that stuff home with you, you bring that into your Completely. relationships and really has a way of fucking shit up. So
1: That sort of leads you to, now correct me if I'm wrong, it leads you to the Google Creative Labs. Dude. Is that also around the same time when you start to form hundreds yeah. under a hundred?
0: Yeah, those timelines are pretty close. Yeah, so post uh, working at the small brand studio... All of a sudden I was freelancing mm-hmm. and I had nothing lined up. I had a few projects, a few conversations, but very much uh, free falling into freelance. And through various projects I did, I was introduced to the creative lab and I started talking to them. And that was kind of like a permalance situation where you go in and you're embedded there. And I think I was there for a total of... A little less than a year, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. And towards the end of that, Slack was coming around and like everyone was using it at work. And I was like, oh, anyone can like make an account. This could be really interesting as like creating like a space with channels where you could talk about things like freelance. Because very much through that process of free falling into freelance, I had a lot of questions and a lot of things that I knew other people had figured out, especially from my time at Creative Mornings, which was based in Studio Mates, a co working space in New York back then, and it was full of freelancers. And I remember them having these conversations over lunch and figuring out payments and these difficult conversations you would have with clients. And I knew everyone else, some other people had figured this stuff out and it, it didn't make a ton of sense for me to just fumble my way through it without their sage feedback and advice. So creating a space where I could like ask those questions without and tweeting them out.
1: You just start to have all these questions and you're Searching for the answers, not finding them, and you're just, oh, why don't I just make this myself? Like, yeah. let me just do this.
0: Hold oh, on, you try it. I think at the beginning of a project like that, too, and you're like, this could either be really good, yeah. and you like fantasize about like the best case scenario of like <laughs> what this thing will be. And you're like, it's going to be a community, and people are going to share, we're going to create resources, yada, yada, yada. And then the other case is like, and it might be nothing. Exactly. Uh, you always I-
1: got to build that in, though. <laughs>
0: Well, and that's actually another, uh, that's another like John truism is, uh, I remember meeting with him that first time about RISDID.org. And he was like, the thing is, Carly, when it's time for it to die, let it die. And I remember (sighs) being like, what the Fuck. are like, smashing all my <laughs> like, that, I just came to show you this like super cool blog. I'm like super pumped about it. We're like succeeding, and I've never forgotten that and it's true. The worst thing you can do is when this thing is done, just let it, and it makes room for other things and other opportunities.
1: Yeah, around this time, also, you decide to like put your website on Google Docs, oh, yeah. which is like a big phenomena in the design and creative community, web community, where your site anyone can go on to it. It's in a Google Doc. They can change any of the content and things and comment on. And stuff and have you taken catalog of how many people have visited this thing and, the, and contributed
0: well, it's funny i i had to make a new google doc i'd say like a year ago because okay. it just started crashing like all the time you can only have so many people edit a google doc it turns out i was looking at it yesterday and you can you can see and there's been i think close to a hundred so far since then who've added comments or made changes that are still in there i remember making that and i remember i wanted to make a website And I'm not, despite having like a design background, I've never really considered myself much of a designer. I can like mock things up and I have ideas and I'll sketch them out, but there's way better designers you should hire if you Mm. want to hire a designer. And I always worked more with language and words and worked more as a writer. And I was like, what can I make that's like not a Squarespace, not really, but like that speaks to like the way I work. And so it ended up being Google Doc, just like forwarding the domain leaving it open. It's like comment only. So like people can comment and edit Mm -hmm. shows up in their drive. Their names are associated with it sometimes. Uh, I think uh, I've only gotten porn on it like once or twice.
1: Around the internet, you know, you have people that have mentioned that, you know, when they open their Google drive, your site is there. And (laughs) it's just kind of interesting. And I think you touched on this idea that you've recognized that your strength isn't necessarily in design. Yeah. And I think that's also a big hurdle that people come to bear with and something that I've definitely have in the last year or so where sometimes my goal or my objective is not to make the thing it's to communicate and delegate that work and some people it takes longer than others but then also some people just want to do the work.
0: Yeah and that's totally true and I'm excited to get the right people in the right roles to do the right work and to find people's strengths and to make sure that to get the team together and like make their best work. That's the stuff that gets me excited. I love working on teams. I love working with other people, but yeah, I think even in school I realized, I was like, my strength is clearly not the visual design. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, but I can make a press release for my classmates and communicate what it is they're trying to do and like help them get on blogs or get out in the world, which is the most on brand, probably (laughs) Carly student story ever.
1: To me, it's almost like that takes time, not only in your experience, but also to prove that you can do that. It's frustrating to not be able to leave school and let everybody know that you're like, hey, like my thing isn't making and like I have these great (laughs) ideas. What would you say as as advice to younger students that are very much finding themselves, that's the case? How do you battle and deal with that over time.
0: Totally. I think there's a lot of shame too. Like I remember going to critiques stuff and being like, oh, like this stuff is, I did the project. I know it's fine, but it's like not great. Like it's missing like a certain thing. But yeah, I think to find that you just have to make a lot of stuff too. Like I remember I made all sorts of things before I was, all right, like this stuff is not clearly like what I'm very good at. What am I really good at? How can I do an independent study or carve out a team project or start a design blog or like start these various things that will allow me to find where it is that I feel like I'm doing my best work or that I'm really contributing the most to this project. And I think doing all those extracurriculars was one of my ways of figuring that out.
1: I think this is a perfect segue. It leads you to start the, the creative studio, Haraf. Yeah. And there's so many things out of not only that I've learned that you've been able to share. One, the big thing was like working with friends and then also working with friends that share qualities that you don't have. And to this whole point of you recognizing that you may not be the best designer, like what was the dynamic going into the studio?
0: Totally. I mean, and we had those conversation. So yeah, we all met working together in the creative lab. Andrew, Nikki, Pedro, and myself. We had all had those conversations, at least as far as like Andrew, Pedro, and I, Went, we all knew at some point we wanted to start a studio. Nikki was coming more from an engineering background. He was like, What is this design studio business? Y'all are crazy. But for the three of us, we all kind of knew we wanted to do it one time or the other. And for the most part, we had each had those conversations. And I definitely talked to like other people who were writers or similar kind of new businessy people, operations people. But we knew we needed like the design piece we needed this and i definitely saw that as well in play at that small design studio i worked at after creative mornings but with this team it really felt like we each were bringing something pretty unique to the table our skill sets sometimes overlapped but for the most part everyone had a clear thing that they did really well that was missing from everyone else's wheelhouse so to speak and um it felt like a really pragmatic relationship
1: you guys ended up working on a lot of different projects. And some of the projects that stood out to me was like the Brooklyn Symphony, Um, the work done for Tia because you guys did the branding, but you also like ended up doing a project where you were able to customize these posters and that ended up at like the Women's March. And that's like always, I think, want to see your work live out in the world, but also like just live in a very political movement and culture. Yeah, that's like huge.
0: Yeah, those are two interesting projects. I should say Sam Rhodes did the branding for Tia. Mm. But um, we met Carolyn also working out of the creative lab, and as well as Sam. And all of us, uh, after we left, uh, Carolyn had left first and she started that company, and then we left and we started the studio. And she wanted to uh, collaborate with us on some sort of activation around the Women's March. And for us, it was always about, we knew we wanted to have like an ethos as well as a distinct point of view as a studio. And for us, that was making projects that invited people to interact with them in some way, which mm-hmm. is a pretty open-ended point of view when you think about it. But uh, it was a good set of constraints for a project like that, where it's like, okay, if we're going to do a campaign, how can we make this playful? How can we make someone like want to interact with this? How can we make this something that's even useful, which is the ideal win for something that's interactive. You want someone to have a positive experience that actually enriches their life mm-hmm. rather than just like, Blasting them with taglines and what have you. So, for that one, yeah, we made a website where you could go and you could make your own poster for the march and add your own sayings or your own slogans that you wanted to carry with you using like these brand assets that Sam had put together, which was a fun one. While
1: well, the studio also focused on creative work and creative services, you guys shared so much of the process along the way. Like, I have the 14 gigs of files. Oh my existing on my oh, computer good because um, I'm, I'm
0: pretty sure at some point that drive will stop yeah uh, exactly paying for it.
1: that was something that also was established at the very beginning you know being able to share these resources share that information for people to kind of learn from it and better themselves what kind of informed that
0: well i think for us we all wanted to learn how to run a studio that was the name of the game when we met up we'd do breakfast once a week while we we're still wrapping up our time at google and we we're like you know what do we want this to be? What do we want to get out of this? It was very pragmatic in that way. We each want to learn how to run a studio. We had worked in different environments. We had picked up certain things, but we knew that there was so much more to learn that you could only learn by doing it. And along the way, we wanted to share that as well. We talked about sharing the drive from the beginning, but it's a little more difficult to do that when you're uh, still an operating functional Under contracts, studio. clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You also touch upon like this idea of having retrospectives at mm. uh, every opportunity. And I think being in somewhat digital and product design, there are moments of that, right? Like at the end of a sprint or something. But I almost think like that should be required at the end of every campaign when possible because like... Sometimes when you go through a marketing campaign, it's just like yeah. work, work, work for like three yeah. days straight, it's like sure. start to finish. And then at the end of it, it's like, cool, great. That was awesome effort. Let's move on to the next project.
0: Well, cause there always is. Well, hopefully there's always another project yeah. and especially as a small studio, it became really hard to prioritize even just doing projects like the drive projects that we wanted to do that weren't necessarily client work, but even just like projects that made the studio better. I remember taking a a business class, I think in our second year, and they always talked about working on business versus in the business. And it's so hard to prioritize even just making the studio better, like doing these retrospectives, setting out that time where you can learn and be better, when you have another project like knocking on the door and that's where your next paycheck's gonna be coming from and you're like, I'm kinda gonna go do that. But the goal of it was to learn and doing, I think, retros and setting up that time where you can actually take apart like how something went is, is so important for that.
1: Over this time, you've shed so many resources from basically college to going through the studio. But you also share on this tool called Arena.
0: Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's
1: a ton of collections Arena. there. But one of my favorite are things that you found on eBay but didn't buy. <laughs> and um, I've seen some, you share some on social media and things like that. But what are you mostly looking Good. for on eBay and yeah. what is the why?
0: I mean, look around. Yeah. So we moved into this apartment in April. I moved mm-hmm. in with my boyfriend, Sebastian. And I think also like post-studio, I was like, I've got like a studio shaped hole in my life. What can I fill it with? Mm-hmm. And the answer ended up being a lot of 70s era cartel plastic furniture. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's trying to find a, a good deal on some of the stuff, but also kind of harkening back to my industrial design education yeah. and studying furniture and looking for certain pieces, ideally things with lots of drawers, like the one behind you.
1: I've seen like you've, you've been able to find these really amazing designed puzzles and not only that but a ton of books yeah, and yeah, wealth yeah. of knowledge that yeah. um i think can sometimes just be forgotten and oh. it's good to see that still living on
0: well it's fun to discover that stuff i think nothing is is new everything kind of ends up repeating itself and i think even finding it yeah, a lot of those old enzo mari games we mm-hmm. have uh, an enzo mari i've now written enzo mari down yeah yeah, like yeah. well they're over we'll, we'll, we'll play them after this but yeah to see like one of them is uh this card game for telling stories and each card has a different silhouette of a different animal or a moon or a tree or all these different like characters and you build them together to create like a physical three-dimensional structure and you're supposed to tell a story as you do that and I, I think those things are really fun and it's probably also just like subconsciously trying to like push away from just being on my phone all the time mm. and like find something tangible to hold on to in this world but there's a lot of cool stuff out there and it's kind of getting me back into breaking open those design history textbooks and trying to remember where all this stuff came from.
1: you share a lot of the stuff that you find on social media and things like that. And I know you mentioned like getting away from your phone, but it's becoming so much a part of culture and life. You also love to share story filters.
0: Oh, Yeah, And
1: I just realized that they've opened it up to kind of the community to create anything. And there's so many, it's like almost hard to kind of navigate, but like what have been some of the gems that you found? Oh my
0: gosh. Well, one thing also I'd say about that is I remember going from when it was just Instagram's filters and then they invited certain creators to make filters, Mm -hmm. just how that bar blew up. It just like all of a sudden you had like these filters that were changing the space and changing color. And then now that it's open to the whole community, the range and diversity of ideas and things that people are making that stuff makes me super excited because it's just like yeah when you get everyone you give everyone the technology and they're all able to create things it's really wild to see what they come up with but i think my most faint well <laughs> we were at a party last night and we were going through all my phone it's it's impossible to navigate on my phone i have just like. Thousands of them. Mm-hmm. My favorite one, I'm blanking on the creator's name, I'll have to look it up later, who he makes you into like a lion or they, <laughs> they make you into a lion and uh, your face is the lion's face but the mane is also made out of your face and the body's oh, yes, made I've out of your this. face and, the, and legs the legs are made out yep. of your face and it's like, how? How do you do of <laughs> something like that? I think there's, yeah, there's fun ones that change your expression. I think Zach Lieberman's been having a lot of yes. fun with those and making some really cool stuff but... Yeah, it really, uh, it expands your mind to think about like what's possible with those filters.
1: Every time I see Zach's work and I like, I've already bought like three books of processing and I'm just like, you're going to get to it eventually. Um, These platforms are almost becoming ways of testing and experimenting with new technologies. Do you see it continuing or like, where do you see social media playing a part in that culture of design and experimentation?
0: It's funny. On the way to that party last night, Sebastian and I were walking and someone came out of a restaurant, took a photo of the restaurant and then went back inside. And we're like, we are for sure living in the weirdest simulation of all the simulations like going on right now. It's interesting. I think we'll look back on this and be like, so wait, you just like took photos and you just like shared them to like connect with people or what was (laughs) the goal of a lot of that? I think it's fun to test stuff for sure. And I, I definitely think of social media sometimes. It's a bit of a megaphone, but also a way of like testing ideas out and seeing what sticks and but you have to you do have to be careful about getting too much either validation from that or letting that dictate too much, what direction you should take your own work in. Mm -hmm. Like you do have to isolate some ideas and let them grow and then put them out into the world. But I don't know, it's fun. I mean, I have the gift of gab. I like making (laughs) friends and I've definitely met a lot of people through the internet.
1: Absolutely. I want to circle back just to do hundreds under a hundred because you just recently did a show and tell event. Would you maybe talk about the event, how that went? You know, what was the purpose ended up coming out of it?
0: Yeah. So that was the 10th show-and-tell. And, and show-and-tells were kind of born out of, so we had this Slack community that I started kind of nearing the end of my days at Google's Creative Lab. And then there's a channel, it's called show-and-tell, and it's like, brag about yourself, like share that stuff, because, you know, some people want to share, and it's great to like have a space where like, this is where you do that, and we can all celebrate you and be pumped for you. And then that kind of evolved into wanting to do in-person events. So we do them quarterly, like four times a year. And six people share something in like six minutes or less. And they've been a lot of fun. Like people show up, whether they know who's speaking or not. Everything from the one before the last one, someone did a monologue talking about caretaking for her mother. We've had people read short stories. We've had people show every design that's ever been rejected along the way of a project. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, it runs the gamut. But yeah, the last one, I'd made an announcement that uh, Far and Valentina, who've kind of been with me like probably like the last year helping and volunteering and helping put these events together. They're going to take that series over, which I am very excited for. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. I want to close out with this quote that I think I found from you. I don't know where exactly, but it was life is about relationships. Ooh. And I think that's so true because as you mentioned, maintaining Relationships is really key, especially in the creative industry, but as you mentioned before we started this, there's some new things coming up in the future for you.
0: Yeah, even just through the questions you've asked me, it's clear to see that every opportunity and kind of every direction I've pursued has been the result of either a relationship or a well-timed email. Yeah, everything that I've done has been connected or influenced by the people I've met and who I've surrounded myself with and how they've influenced What ideas I'm thinking about, what kind of books I'm reading, which also goes to say she'll always be expanding that circle. But I'm a big believer in the power of relationships and community and bringing people together. We'll see where it takes me next. Who knows?
1: You kind of have a little bit of an inkling of an idea of what's going to come up soon if it's it's not the new year.
0: Not the new year. So, yeah, I did recently join Google. I'm at Google full time now, which is terrifying because I haven't had a real full time job since Creative Mornings, (laughs) which uh, is a very different environment. And then uh, Sebastian and I are also going to be teaching at Parsons in the winter, which I'm very excited for.
1: That sounds very exciting to be able to kind of go back. Carly, where can people find more of you and and (sighs) potentially get in touch? Everywhere. All over the internet. (laughs) All
0: over the internet. Yeah. Go on my Google Doc, leave me a note. Say hello on Instagram and Twitter, although I'm, I'm there less and less these days.
1: Carly, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you, John. This was lovely.
1: This podcast is produced by me, John Sorrentino, out in Jersey City, New Jersey. Editing, mixing, and music are all done by my friend Kevin Bendis in Greenpoint Brooklyn. Definitely check him out. You can find out more about WellFed and where to listen at WellFedPodcast.com
0: or on social media at WellFedPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.